Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Fantasy Hockey Life, presented by Fantrax. Here's Jack Hughes and Hughes source of information and analysis to help you win your fantasy hockey league. Barkov has a step in on Stalock. Barkov shoots and scores! Here's your hosts, Jesse Severe and Victor Nuno. Fantasy hockey life. That's right. We're back for another week. It is Jesse Severe right here coming to you over the uh, the headphones on Fantrax. And with me as usual, as awesomely, it is Victor Nuno. Victor, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Jesse. It's Another um, good team to talk about here and a lot of fantasy relevant players. Got a great guest and uh, I'm fired up. I, we, we've been doing our our new Dynasty League drafts and it's been uh, it's been interesting. <laughs> I'll say that for sure. It's been awesome. It's been chaos all week. Uh, you, you know, we're, we're having a great time with all of our all of our uh, new drafting buddies, all the lifers out there in the world and uh, 18 team leagues victors in one i'm in the other and yeah it goes back and forth and these people are animals man um they i i uh it's an 18 team draft spread across all the continents of the world as far as like well, probably not all of them but a heck of a lot of time zones let's put it that way and uh still somehow this thing i'll draft and you know 30 picks will go and i'll be back up in a couple of hours sometimes it's uh it's crazy you know in some of our drafts and other people's drafts i hear that it doesn't go quite as quickly is that uh is that accurate <laughs> yeah your your league is I don't, I don't know five or six rounds ahead of ours uh, it's it's been it's been interesting to watch i know some people are enjoying that because they get to see the equivalent picks ahead of time what's going on in your league but yeah we also have a lot of of different locations represented in the league that I'm in. And so it makes it hard, you know, literally when people are on the other side of the earth, uh, you know, the timer doesn't quite sleep the same for them, but yeah, no, it's been, it's been really interesting. It, it really has not gone the way that I thought it would go in terms of who I thought it would take. And it's been, yeah, every, all these, all these players are sharks and they've been really making really good picks. And so makes it really hard when you think someone might be available or something might fall to you certain position. And then, uh, and then it just doesn't. And you're like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> I got to reevaluate my strategy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is. It's an incredibly fun time and it's great getting to know some of these folks. Hopefully some of you who are out there listening. Well, uh, if you haven't been in on this kind of fun, you're too late to get in on the startup of the fantasy Hockey Life Dynasty Leagues, but but there is a Discord, and in the Discord, there's lots of people who are forming leagues right now, looking for other people. You can come in and join our Discord for free. I I make no promises. It's like uh, I don't know. Do they still do like ads in the newspaper? Are there still newspapers? Where do people put up like free ads for things that that you can do? Am I just trying to describe the internet, Victor? <laughs> yeah, probably like Facebook, Twitter. I don't know social media. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, that I guess what I was trying to get at is I I have no I mean, I don't know all of these uh all of these uh individual league listings personally, but I I know a lot of the people or I'm getting to a lot of the people around here, so uh if you've been looking for a place to try to connect with others and maybe start up a league for the fall, you could certainly do worse. And it's free. Just let Victor and myself know. fantasyhockeylife@gmail.com is the email or you can follow us on Twitter 
at Victor Nuno 12 is Victor at fan hockey life is me. You can ask for a, uh, a link. We've gotten a lot of those requests lately. A lot of new people joining the discord as as we're kind of starting to kick into draft season mode. You can do that. If you want to listen to uh, ask questions, if you want to come and ask them in the discord forums, it's all good. Well, Victor, that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. My head is still spinning from all this draft stuff. And even though I'm like 30 picks away, I'm, I'm already having to start to, to plot to see what in the world is going to fall down to me. And the answer, inevitably, like every other round, will be absolutely nothing that I thought that I was going to be able to get. But uh, let's, uh, let's take a brief break and let's come back and talk with our guest about the team of the day, which is the Boston Bruins. Very pleased to be joined today by a return guest to our show. It is Hannah Garfield of the Hockey Writers and the Chicks and Sticks podcast. Great listen for you folks. Uh, you got to tune into that one. Uh, Hannah, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you all? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, ready to talk a little bit of Boston Bruins out here. You're And you're all the way out in Boston where you're getting dumped on by some sort of torrential rain, as I understand. Yes, there. Um, it's the first... It was supposed to be the first hurricane since 1991 to hit New England, but it got downgraded to a tropical storm. So now it's it's a lot of rain and a lot of wind, but it's not, I'm inland, so it's not too, too bad, Um, but still, it's still a pretty big storm. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, those, those storms know to avoid brewing season um, as that is a, a great uh, sports season nowadays in Boston. <laughs> Although the, the Sox are doing just fine for themselves this summer. Really uh, let's, let's, uh, let, let's talk about those Boston Bruins uh, that have a couple more months before they get fired up. Uh, the Bruins uh, finished the regular season on a 12, four and one streak. That's a, a really positive ending. They had ended up third in the very brutal Eastern division of the NHL. They took care of my Washington Capitals in five games. I, I thought the series was a little closer than five games sound because there's mm. a lot of overtime there, but they clearly were the better team. And then the Islanders beat the Bruins in six games the next round. Uh, the Bruins overall statistically had really a fairly dominant season in a lot of ways. They were among the top five teams in fewest goals allowed and power play uh, goals allowed. That is, they were among the best. I don't know how to phrase that so that it sounds positive. But in any Mm -hmm. event, uh, their penalty kill percentage, second only to Vegas in the NHL, third in shots, second best in shots allowed is in the fewest, and the number four save percentage. They tilt the ice when they're out there. Third place, Corsi 4 percentage of 54.2, second best Fenwick 4 percentage, 55.2. This is just domination. Uh, the, the Bruins have really shown with this core for multiple years. Three times they have got to the second round and they reached one cup final in the previous four years. So they're long-term multiple round playoff contenders. They're aging for sure. There's no doubt as we get into these players. And we generally are talking about the guys who will be playing on the team next year. But it would uh, behoove us to at least mention the names David Krejci and, and even Nick Ritchie who were among the top seven in scoring for the Bruins in the previous year, who will not be back on the team next year. In addition to Yaroslav Halak, who was one of the great underrated tandem goalies in the NHL for a couple of years. So I guess what I'm building to here, Hannah, is how long do you perceive this championship window for the Bruins, this uh, sort of domination they've had for a few years, to be open? And do you expect another multi-round playoff performance uh, this coming year? I mean, I, I think that's a good question. I was interested. I was listening when you were nailing all this, um, all the stats, you know, they really on paper, I think they were better than they looked on the ice at times last season. Cause there were a lot of times where it was, there were some games where you watched it and you were, you know, it was a slog fest out there. Um, but are they a playoff? I definitely think they are a playoff contender this season. I think, it would be the season after that. That would be a really um, telling season, especially, you know, Patrice Bergeron's going into the last year of his deal right now. He doesn't play like he's in his mid thirties, but he is. So that is something to keep in consideration. Brad Marchand's also in his thirties. David Krejci, who just mentioned has left the team. So it's, it's getting older and this core that has kind of gotten the team 
through the past decade is, you know, slowly, you know, dispersing and falling apart. So, and once they're all gone, I don't, I think there will be a couple rough years there. So yes, to answer your question, I think they have another year in their playoff, in their cup contender window. And then it will start getting a little bit more, you know, will they, won't they? Cause they'll definitely make the playoffs this year. I'm like, 90% sure they will. Um, and hopefully it's more than the second round exit again. Cause I do think they're making moves to try to be a little bit, make a deeper run like every team that NHL does, but I don't know. It's starting to get, you know, that window is closing and it's starting to get a little foggier than it's been for the past couple of seasons where they were shooing for the playoffs every year. Well, Bruins fans definitely are in their happy place when they talk about that first line and uh, a couple of the guys you just mentioned. And so let's go through those guys and start with Brad Marchand. Uh, You know, I I like to, as we go into these guys, just mention where their fantasy performance was last year and where Victor and I predicted them. Uh, Victor predicted Marchand at 26. I actually did not include Marchand in my rankings at the beginning of the year. I just took him off the board. It was kind of a no-line situation because it looked like he was injured coming into the year. He actually was the number nine forward in fantasy hockey. 31st in points among all active players. I did not realize how high he was on the active leaderboard in the National Hockey League in points. Uh, No one is ahead of him on that list that debuted in a season after his. And he very realistically could climb from 31st four or more slots this year. He's... he's, uh, you know, the Marchand haters of the world probably need to come to terms with uh, the fact that we're probably going to be having a Marchand Hall of Fame debate in a few years. Mm-hmm. And I want to know if his plaque in the Hall of Fame can just be an outstretched tongue made of bronze. Uh, uh, he was first team in the NHL as the all-star left winger last year, scored 29 goals, 40 assists, 69 points in 53 games. He led the Bruins by points by 21 points and ranked first among all non-Oilers in the NHL in points. Uh, He gets more than a hit per game, two and a half shots. 20.3% shooting was the highest of his career. And oddly, he fell 30 seconds average time on ice under 19 for the first time since 2015-2016. So, boy, maybe there's even more? I don't know. Marshawn plays a really physical game and is now past his 33rd birthday. Like you said, he's, uh, you know, he's pushing kind of a little bit of the older years there, but what do you think with Marshawn? Do you see any slowdown? Uh, do you think this, uh, this, uh, I guess it would be like a hundred point pace could last into next year. I, I think he's got another year. I think he's going to try to get, a, I think he's going to get close to getting over a hundred again this season. Um, Brad Marshawn it's such a great story. And I know so many people aren't going to, are going to not agree with that because there are a lot of Marshan haters out there and I don't blame them. He's kind of a, you know, if I, if he wasn't on my team, I don't think I would like him either in a lot of instances, but you know, this is a guy who came into the league with very little expectations. He was a fifth round draft pick. He started out on, you know, kind of the fourth, third bottom six and worked his way up to being you know, 31st and points in the league. Like he is a game changer when he's on the ice. Like if, if you were saying that top line, him, Bergeron and Pasternak are just so fun to watch. And they really set the tone for the Bruins. If one of them is off, if that line is off, then the team is off. You know, they are the heart and soul of this team right now. And I you know, one of the things I always tell people when they ask me about the Bruins, I'm like, they're going to make the playoffs as long as Marshan and Bergeron are there because Marshan and Bergeron wouldn't let them not make them, wouldn't let them not make it because they would, you know, pretty much just pull that team into at least a first round appearance. Even, you know, I don't know. I do think their cup window is closing, but you know, I still feel like they could make a couple appearances in the next, as long as Marshan and Bergeron are there. Yeah, and it's it's getting tougher though. You got both the Cup finalists from last year, Tampa and Montreal, in the Atlantic. Yeah, uh, you got the the Florida Panthers that are a team on the rise. And then when you start getting into, you know, that's three teams right there. And when you start getting into the Eastern Conference in general, that stupid uh, Metro division that the Caps play in is is also just jam packed. The Rangers 
just need to wait their turn. Okay. We're not ready for you Rangers. Just go back and play in the, in the kids stable uh, until you get a little bit older and everybody else ages out. Uh, but uh, let's talk about uh, the second of that line, Patrice Bergeron. You've been talking about him. You just can't count out the old man. Uh, Victor thought he'd be 33rd. I thought 27th. This guy was 11th in fantasy last year among all forwards. 36 now coming off a season of 23 goals, 35 assists for 48 points in 54 games. Hit and three and a half shots per game. Wow. Possession stats are unmatched in the NHL. Uh, in the defensive uh, percentage, he was the only guy in the top nine of the league who was not an avalanche when you look at uh, possession stats. In uh, Fenwick four percentage, highest of anyone who played more than 22 games in the league. He just he tilts the ice. When he's out there, the Bruins will be out shooting their opponents. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you like faceoff wins? 714, most in the league from Bergeron. Yes, he has two amazing line mates that no doubt help his play, but frankly, he raises the level of his line mates, I believe too. Uh, so, uh, you know, you kind of referenced it, but can Bergeron stay healthy for 82 games first and put up that point per game pace with more of this amazing possession uh, game? Or should we expect father time to finally, maybe just a little bit, start chipping away at his statistical line? I, cause he had, he has had, some injury issues in the past and he was pretty good this past season but um the previous two or three had he missed some stretches with injuries so I do think that those will take a toll I again I really think this next year is gonna be a big year because I think or a telling year because I think he has another at least one more full season in him um and then we'll we'll see you know next what happens next summer but you know Patrice Bergeron is the heart and soul of the Bruins. He is a difference maker. He makes Pasternak and Martians better. He is the captain. Like there, I don't, I can't speak highly enough about Patrice Bergeron. Definitely. And the third member of that line, the good news is there's one player on that first line who is not uh, sort of reaching that dangerous hockey age where you're starting to look for uh, maybe changes in performance. David Pasternak just turned 25, so he is uh, certainly in the prime of his performance years. Uh, Victor thought he'd be 21st. He actually was 37th. Uh, he was another guy who I didn't even want to rank because he was injured coming into the year right at the point that I was doing these rankings. Uh, he scored 20 goals, 28 assists in 48 total points in 48 games, point-per-game guy. Good for three and a half shots. One of the top couple right wingers in the league. Uh, The year before last, he led the National Hockey League in goals, game-winning goals, if you like those, and power play goals. Uh, And of course, 48 games represents a shortened season for Pasternak this year. It's hard to ask if a a point-per-game guy will revert to prior form. (laughs) I mean, that would normally be a completely unfair question. Like, what do you mean you you want more? But uh, in Pasternak's case, it is reasonable because we've seen it. Next year, you think over under 95 points. And uh, what are your other observations of Mr. Pasternak? I I don't think over 95. I think around 90. I think that would be a good... I think that's a very reasonable ask for, for Pashanak. Um, again, you know, last season, you know, he had, he was injured in January, came in and was a big difference maker um, and was phenomenal in February. And then the team, the Bruins had, you know, some rough patches, especially in March. And a lot of that was when, you know, Pashanak would go stretches without scoring um, was large asset on the ice. And when that happens, you know, the Bruins can't recover as much. Um, so I would be nervous predicting him getting over 95 points. I don't, I don't think he will um, just cause he, ha- he does go on these stretches where he doesn't score as much or is, you know, not as big of a factor on the team. He isn't quite as consistent as Bergeron and Marshan. Um, but I still, you know, putting him in the 85 to 90 point prediction would be a good, a good spot for him. 
All right. Well, let's move on beyond that perfection line. And I still, I can't get us that, that picture in my head of the statue of Marshawn with his tongue out, uh, out of my head quite yet, but I would love no, to see No, I'm that. saying I'm just the tongue, just the tongue, yes. Victor. <laughs> that would be so creepy. All right. Um, all right. So let's talk about Taylor Hall and Taylor Hall. He'll be 30 most of this season. He's been trending down since that 100-point pace, heart-winning season for New Jersey, 17-18. Uh, he had a 66-point pace for New Jersey, Arizona in 19-20, and then 51-point pace this season between Buffalo and Boston, although he, he's fit in pretty well with Boston, 14 points in the 16 games. But he just lost his centerman, David Krejci, and that is going to be a pretty big change for him, I assume. And last season... Uh, Jesse and I predicted he would be around the 17th or 16th best forward. Of course, a lot went wrong in Buffalo and there were a lot of issues and he ended up 124th. So outside of the top four, uh, 100. So, you know, with all those changes and him fitting into kind of a more of a, it seems clearly a second line player. I mean, this is Boston is one of the few teams in the league where I don't think Hall has much of a chance to be the top line left winger. So he's going to be more of a second fiddle. And I don't think he got a whole lot of top power play time either. He was more on the second power play. So, you know, we have to kind of adjust our expectations. It seems like he kind of likes that not being the guy role and just being part of the, you know, best players on the team, but not the sole focal point. So what do you expect from Hall this season, Hannah? I think you hit the nail on the head right there. I think he he works so much better as that, you know, not being the guy and being, you know, being a really good player on a good team. And I think that benefits his play. And I think, I think he'll be really good on the second line. I think he'll be what the Bruins need and they need what they've needed for years is players who can perform when the top line isn't or players that can actually complement the top line. And they've really struggled with, you know, finding the right depth on offense. And I think Taylor Hall really does bring that. And I think taking the pressure and the spotlight off of him, you know, kind of gives him more freedom to play and to play well. He really, I mean, that stretch, that final stretch to end the season was largely motivated by Taylor Hall, David Krejci and Craig Smith. The three of them were phenomenal on ice. And obviously there's going to, changes without David Krejci there Um, but I still think that even if they're moving up Charlie Coyle who's coming off of you know not a great season I still think that Hall and Smith will work well with whoever they put in at center on the second line I think they'll do I don't think Taylor Hall would you know be a top forward in the league anymore but I think he'll still be a very good forward and a good depth piece which is what the Bruins need him to be all right, a couple of follow-up questions on that. First, who do you think his centerman's going to be? Because that seems like an un- uncertain thing right now, and that's a huge hole to fill. And then uh, where would you – what would you take the over and under on Hall at 65 points pace? Do you think he would get over 65-point pace or under? What do you think? I think I, I think I'd put him – I think I'd put him right around 65. That's probably not the answer you want. I would no, I'd maybe put him a little slightly over 65. I think he'll do well um, with Craig Smith. Cause I, I you know they're missing Krejci, but him and Smith could still work well. And I think that second line center, I mean, all accounts are pointing to it. It's going to be Charlie Coyle, at least to start the season. Um, and then and that kind of has to be Charlie Coyle. They really, they don't have a lot of people in their system who could be second line center yet. Um, I know I've read some stuff about maybe Jack Stanika, who is one of the Bruins top prospects, but you know, he had a stretch in the NHL last season and just didn't look quite ready yet. And I think, you know, giving him another shot at the NHL this season would be good, but I don't necessarily think it should be on the second line. Um, Eric Hall has also been tossed around, um, who's one of the new signings and it's a huge uncertainty. And I think I would feel much more confident about this team and the moves they've done this summer 
if Krejci was still there and they had a solid second line center. Cause right now I think they have a lot of really great pieces and they have, you know, they address forward depth issues, but now they're really weak down the center. So it'd be interesting. Definitely. And actually my, my next question to that, and it's okay to say you can push the bet. Um, you can say exactly 65. <laughs> that's fine. Um, so I was actually going to ask you about uh, a few, a few guys, they have a couple new faces and just, you know, when Jesse and I are putting the shows together, we're trying to figure out who the next best fantasy relevant player are. And I think it's pretty unclear on this team, right? I mean, those top, I think those are clearly the top four. And then after that, there's a bunch of names. You mentioned some of them. Just to reiterate, I think Craig Smith is in the conversation for sure. You have Nick Felino, Charlie Coyle, Jake DeBrusque, Eric Halla. All of those guys, I think, have an opportunity to be there, and it certainly depends on their role. If you go by pace last season, Craig Smith had 47-point pace, so he was the highest by far. Halla and Felino were pretty close at 32 and 31, of course, on different teams. And then DeBrusque and Coyle were 23-24, so they're quite a bit lower um, of course, other things are valuable too, like hits and, and face-offs. And certainly Felino hits the most out of this whole group by a mile. Um, so he might be more valuable in those kinds of leagues. But if you just want to focus on maybe point pace, maybe who gets the most ice time, the most role, which of these five guys, Craig Smith, Nick Felino, Charlie Coyle, Jake DeBrust, Eric Halla, who do you think is going to be the next most important on the on the Bruins in terms of and might correlate to fantasy relevance? I think I think it'll have to be Charlie Coyle because I think, you know, center is such an important role. And especially when you're playing behind, you know, your, your top center is Patrice Bergeron. Charlie Coyle is going to have, you know, big shoes to fill in David Krejci's shadow. And he's going to really have to step it up this season. And I think I think he will. I'm a big Charlie Coyle fan. I really think he's going to rise to the occasion. And, you know, coming off a bad season, I think he's going to be really important to this team this year. And I, Craig Smith is also going to, I think that second line is going to be really telling and very important, you know, because if they're, if that second line shows up and it plays well this whole season, I think the Bruins have a much better shot at the Stanley Cup than if it's just what they've been the past couple of seasons where it's, you know, really it's Bergeron, Marsh, and Pasternak pulling this team into the playoffs. Well, let's switch over to the blue line, Hannah. And we start with Charlie McElboy. Uh, I picked him as number 28, Victor at 50. He ended up as number 25. My question coming into last year is who was going to fill the gap behind Tory Krug? Maybe partly due to some things that happened with uh, the other defenseman or the next defenseman we'll discuss after him. It definitely was McElboy who got the dominant minutes, five goals, 25 assists, 30 points in 51 games was a career high point pace. First time he's gone over half point per game. By the way, he missed five games and the next healthiest D-man on this team missed 12 games. So he definitely had injuries throughout the season all across this defensive core. Average time on ice climbed yet another minute to 24. So it's not like he didn't get ice time in the past and he certainly got it this year. But all in all, he was a down-ballot Norris and all-star candidate and a huge success from a real hockey perspective. Shots climbed to approaching two per game, although his blocks uh, dipped slightly to about one and a half and hits to closer to one this year. Ended up neck and neck for top power play time on ice guy from the defensiveman position, uh, again, because of uh, certain injuries that happened elsewhere that we'll get into that guy. McAvoy is an excellent real-life defenseman, uh, but will fantasy players like me, greedy for more stats, get served next year? Do you think uh, McAvoy can increase that point pace uh, past, uh, well, I guess it would be like a 50-point pace over the course of a season and, uh, you know, these shots and hits and blocks and all those types of things? So what's your assessment on McAvoy? If he does hit 50 points, I'm so scared of what that next contract's going to be. Because <laughs> um, these defenseman contracts this whole offseason have been crazy. And if you're Charlie McAvoy going into, you know, the last year of his current contract, like he's getting paid next summer. And if he hits 50 points, which I do think there is a possibility, I, I wouldn't put anything past Charlie McAvoy at this point because each season you think he's kind of hit 
you know, he's kind of hit what he's going to be and he keeps elevating it every season. So I think, you know, putting him at, you know, potentially 50 points a season is a very realistic expectation. He is the man. And when you put him out there, you know, if he's playing with Grizzlick, there's such, it's so lopsided when they're on the ice and for the Bruins together, they outscore. I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but they outscore opponents like crazy. Um, I think I saw once where I was like in one game, like they had like 12 opportunities for, and then the opposing team only had like two point, like two opportunities when they were on the ice. So it's, you know, they McAvoy is a difference maker for this team. He is, you, know, you talk about that. The first line gets you know all the attention, but McAvoy is the defenseman on this team. Well, let's talk about Matt Grizzlick, the man who, if you don't already know how to spell his name, you've got zero shot, zero shot <laughs> at doing it. Uh, definitely, uh, the team it prefers him as the power play quarterback because whenever he's out there, it seems like he gets the nod over McAvoy. Uh, he also finished with more than half a point per game this year as McAvoy did. Problem was that five goals, 15 assists for 20 points came in only 37 games. He missed 17. He really crushed one of my teams, frankly, by uh, going out hurt all the time. Uh, but his average time on ice jumped two minutes to 20 this year. So he is being used more and more. Do you think next year will feature Grizzly as a full-time power play quarterback? And uh, what do you think of a prediction of something like 55 points? Mm-hmm. So Grizz, Grizzly really is kind of the guy that stepped up in, you know, cause McAvoy was already on the top unit with Corey Krug's exit, you know, Grizzly was the one who really stepped into that role. And I think we, didn't get an opportunity to see it as much the past season because of the injuries. Uh, I do think I don't necessarily think 55. I think I would probably put him right around. I would put him and McAvoy both right around 45 to 50. Um, Just. I'm not sold that he will do an 82 game season again this year. Um, You know, that those were some bad injuries he, he had last year and, I think health will be a little bit of a question, but yeah, I'd probably put him right around 50. All right. And the next guy is a relatively new Bruin, Mike Riley, not to be confused with a different M Riley who plays for the Maple Leafs um, spelled slightly differently, but uh, ice time has been trending up for Mike since he entered the league, 40 point pace between Ottawa and Boston and eight uh, points in 15 games for Boston, which is 44 point pace. So a little bit better in his time in Boston. There were games uh, with McAvoy out where he was getting top power play role, um, as well as Jesse mentioned, it was often Grizzly too, um, but he certainly has that capability. And you look at his, um, you know, advanced stats, his his play driving numbers, his goals for, expected goals for, Corsi for, all of them are extremely good. He drives play very well. He's good defensively. He, he, he keeps the puck in the opponent's zone. I'm I'm really a fan of I thought this was one of the better pickups that they had at the at the trade deadline. And he seems to fit in really nicely. And I'm wondering, you know, is this is this just kind of where he's gonna sit, you know, this 40 point pace? Does he have more to give? Is he ascending to greater heights? Or or maybe he kind of regresses hard. What do you think the 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 season and beyond holds for Mike Riley in Boston? I think if Carlo is healthy and he and Carlo are the second pairing that Mike Riley could really have a a good season because Carlo is a phenomenal stay at home defenseman. Um, Arguably, I would say one of the more underrated defensemen in this league. And so I think if Riley is playing on a pairing with him, he's going to have so much opportunity to join the rush and to, you know, create offense from the blue line, which is something that, was a bit of a struggle for the Bruins this past season. So I think, I think Riley is trending upwards. And I think that this could be a really, I think we could look back at that signing last year, like you said, and think that's one of the better ones. Um, And I really, I think his new deal that they signed him to is going to age really well. Big Mike Riley fan too. Well, let's move into the net because you talk about the signings this year, and this is one of the most fascinating to me. Linus Olmark 
it, it seems like if, if I were a scientist trying to design in a lab uh, the question of, is Linus Olmark good? I would make the variable what team he was on and move him from Buffalo to Boston and see what happens because that's a really like night and day type situation. He had good performance for most of his career to include both the basic stats. Uh, he's always had a winning record on Buffalo, and that ain't nothing, and a 917 save percentage. Goals saved above expected has improved each year, although, uh, you know, actually last year it was still negative. So he's really just approaching zero. But is Boston confident that Omar can hold up part of a tandem this year or expectations for him just, uh, you know, there's a couple other goalies here. And we'll, we'll talk about the big question mark guy here in a minute. But is he just sort of the placeholder for the, the guy coming up and the guy we're wondering about? I think they're paying him too much to be a placeholder. I mean, he is making $5 million a year for four years, which, you know, on a team like the Bruins, which are a little bit cash-strapped, um, especially when you consider Mac, they're going to have to re-sign McAvoy next summer. You know, he, they have to, you know, have bigger plans for him if they're paying him $5 million for four years, um, which, you know, when I saw this contract and the signing, I was a little confused at first. Um, Because Linus Allmark is, he's a great goaltender and I think there's no doubt about it. And I think that if he hadn't, hasn't had as many injuries as he's had, he would be a much bigger name in this league right now. Um, But the Bruins also already kind of have their goaltender of the future in Jeremy Swayman. Um, He does need, I think, two or three more years of development. So I think the four-year deal was a little weird for Allmark. Um, And with Rask's history, you know, he's getting surgery. He's not going to be ready to start the season. So, you know, they needed to sign someone. I was expecting, you know, signing someone to two or three years and kind of keeping them in the rotation for Swayman and then bringing Rass back for another year or two when he's healthy um, to kind of usher in the Swayman era. Um, So Allmark, I think he's going to be really good. I think he's going to get a good opportunity. Um, I don't think that he's, long, long term, but again, that could all change. So. Yeah. And we're, you know, we will do a prospect segment later in the program and we'll definitely get into Swayman in depth, but I, I just got to ask about Tuka Rask. He is, uh, he's, he, he's just a, a, such a fascinating character on this team. He's uh, I don't know, Merc- mercurial. Is that a fair thing? Uh, he, he disappears from time to time and he's had family situations. He had had injuries. There, there've been good reasons for this. It's not like he's a flake uh, necessarily, but uh, I just really wonder, do you expect him back next year? You think this, this team is going to get stuff out of two going forward, or is this kind of the beginning of the end for really a great Bruins goalie? A great Bruins goalie who is hated by half of Boston, which is so unfortunate. Um, <laughs> I don't under, I know there's so much Rask hate around Boston and I've never quite understood it. Um, Cause I think he is, like you said, he's going to be a, he's going to be remembered as a Bruins great. Cause he is a Bruins great. He's, you know, he's, I was dead. Um, he's just, I was looking at his numbers a couple months ago and you know, his playoff performance is what always gets kind of vilified the most. Cause they haven't necessarily run one with him in the net. Uh, but if you look at his number, like he's always put up the numbers in the playoffs. He's always just been around teams that weren't necessarily either. They came up against a team that was just so good. When you think of Chicago in 2013 or in 2019, they just weren't ultimately kind of built for a really deep, deep, you know, winning the Stanley cup, like St. Louis was. So I think Rask, but to go back to your question, sorry, I went on a little bit of a tangent there, but uh, Rask, I think the Bruins bring him back. I think he doesn't want to sign anywhere else, um, at least according to what he said. He wants to finish his career in Boston. Um, I think he is still someone that, going back to Swayman again, can learn a lot from. So if what you want to – if the Bruins – obviously aren't ready for a Swayman to completely be the goalie tandem of the future. I think 
Olmark and Rask for the next two years. I think they bring him back for a year or two and then he'll retire. Um, so it's definitely, you know, towards the end for Rask's career, but I think they'll bring him back when he's healthy this season. Yeah, just go ask Pittsburgh fans if they regret being so hard on Marc-Andre Fleury through that stretch of years that uh, he was blamed for uh, not getting Stanley Cups to Pittsburgh and see if they'd like him back now. Uh, okay, well, that's uh, that's good insight on the Bruins goalie situation. Hannah, uh, appreciate your talking some Boston Bruins. That's the team that you follow and you write about uh, at the Hockey Writers and, uh, and, and cover extensively. Uh, what do you have upcoming? Do you have any articles uh, on the way that people should look forward to or recent ones that they should go catch up on? Yeah, you can check um, the last two articles I did. I wanted to kind of delve deeper into, you know, the Bruins off free agent signing. So and kind of, you know, make predictions on what I think the players will you know, bring to Boston, how they'll perform. So I just did two articles on Eric Holla and Nick Foligno, and I'm hoping to get one out about um Derek Forbert this week. Forbit. But yeah. Awesome. And awesome. I always, every week I record um, a YouTube show slash podcast, like you said at the top, Chicks and Sticks. It's a lot of fun. Um, and you can always, and we, re- we record Thursday nights, but it goes live on Fridays. So. Definitely. Uh, except no imitators, the Chicks and Sticks podcast. There are others who've tried to take that name, but uh, this is the real thing. And uh, so check out YouTube, Chicks and Sticks, and make sure you're looking at the right one. Uh, great stuff. Uh, really appreciate your coming on, Hannah, and uh, and all the insight on the Bruins. Thank you for having me. This was fun. I liked. I really enjoyed my first time talking to you guys, so it was fun to come back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. the dynasty dig and the time Victor and I talking about this Boston system. Uh, well, there's certain problems with this Boston system. Uh, some would say like hockeyprospecting.com that it's not one of the premier ones in the NHL. It's actually ranked 31st, but with a huge asterisk that Victor's no brainer was not included in that rating because, uh, you know, we, we could look at him as a prospect. We could look at him as a guy who's already got some NHL experience. So they compute the Bruins as having 0.22 expected stars and about three and a half expected NHLers, 31st, as I said, in the league. But Victor, the huge exception, the biggest exception to the questions about this system is your no-brainer, and he has already come up on this episode. Who's your no-brainer, Victor? Well, it's got to be Jeremy Swayman. The goalie, or as some people refer to him, the swag man, because he's got that that swagger. He came into the NHL, <laughs> and he was great this season. The 22-year-old Anchorage, Alaska native was a fourth-round pick of Boston's back in 2017. See, everyone? That's where you draft your goalies. Third, fourth round, maybe later. From Anchorage? Yeah. <laughs> That's well, where no, you draft goalies in Anchorage? <laughs> No, I just meant in the in, in the middle rounds. No need to take goalies usually in the first. Uh, I've made an argument for exceptions to that rule, but it works out pretty well if you can get a, a guy like this. They don't have to be from Alaska. Um, he played his draft season in the USHL for the Sioux Falls Stampede, and he was, you know, okay. Uh, I guess there was some raw potential. This is why scouts get paid the big bucks because – you know, he didn't have uh, an amazing season that year, but, you know, 32 games, 914 save percentage for what looks like a pretty bad team. They definitely won more than twi- or lost more than twice as many as they won, but he was able to turn around. He committed to the University of Maine where his career took off as a freshman. He played 31 games for the Black Bears with a 921 save percentage, 272 GAA, and they uh, won a few more games than they lost. 
His similar result his sophomore season, though, the team was much, much worse. And his junior year, he really started to, to show what he can do. He was lights out, 939 save percentage, 2.07 GAA, and the team went 18-5 and 11. He turned pro in 2020, 21, and, and was arguably even better in the AHL than he was in college, um, but 933 save percentage in nine games with a 1.89 GAA. Sub two is pretty fantastic, and he only lost one game in the AHL. That was pretty fantastic. Here are Swayman's expected goals per goal conceded. Remember, anything over one is really good, and that's beginning with his 2016-17 Sioux Falls performance, 1.34 USHL, 1.61 first year at Maine, 1.29 second year in Maine, 1.35 third year in Maine, 1.26 in Boston, in case you were wondering. He has just been pretty darn good no matter where he plays. That uh, is pretty pretty fantastic. Uh, the University of Maine may not be the NCAA powerhouse of Michigan or Minnesota, maybe, but you know, there's a few prominent NHL goalies that have come from there, Jesse. Jimmy Howard and Ben Bishop are two of the um, well-known guys. And if you look at the hockey prospecting model and their NHL equivalency and their comparables, Swayman looks pretty similar to Ben Bishop, who was, you know, until until Swayman came along, probably the best known uh, college goalie out of that school. And they're as I mentioned, the equivalents are similar until the draft plus three season where Swayman, Swayman starts to surpass Bishop. And in and, and this season, which was his draft plus four, uh, it's almost triple what Ben Bishop was able to do. And his NHL equivalency uh, right now, or NHL probability, I should say, his D plus four season, he's at 53%, whereas Bishop in that season was 32%. So, you know, not saying that he'll be better than Bishop, but obviously that's a pretty nice um, guy to compare him to who had uh, himself a pretty great career, even though he's kind of injured right now and hopefully he can get better. But uh, yeah, it looks it's looking pretty good. So Jesse, according to Dauber, Swayman is the number one goalie prospect uh, to roster. I have to say, I don't, I don't always agree with his ranking. Sometimes he puts uh, some guys that are really NHL ready uh, ahead of some blue chip prospects. Like for example, he has Yosef Kojanash third ahead of Askarov and Tarasov and Anunin. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't never say that, but, you know, I think that the, it's pretty hard to argue with Swayman being at the top. He's, he's young. He's shown he can be great. He already played in the NHL, but if you were in a win now mode, is Spencer Knight like a direct lateral move from Swayman? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think, uh, I, I think I like Spencer Knight better. Uh, and I, I know maybe I'm still being swayed by that draft level. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm not ready to make that move right now. You're being swayed, man. Oh, I see what you did there. I see what you did there with the dad jokes at the uh, 49 minute mark. Yes. All right. Let's say you're ready to compete and you had Swayman and maybe you wanted to move him for one of these goalies. that was, you know, similar. Um, I'm sorry, you were not ready to compete. So you didn't necessarily need Swayman to perform right now. So you're hoping for a somewhat lateral move and picking up a, you know, a high-end prospect or a first round pick. Would you, would you move him for one of these guys in that package, a Skaroff, Tarasov, a Noonan, any one of those guys, or maybe all of them? Well, first of all, because it may sound like I'm throwing shade on Swayman, I, I'm going to echo what you're saying about the amazing performance that he has given so far is uh, the first element of my answer here. And I, I realize I'm taking a circuitous route, but I ran a query at evolving hockey about Swayman's season. And basically I just went ahead and ran every season uh, for a goalie since 2007, 2008, the beginning of the database evolving hockey has, there have been 934 goalie seasons where a goalie faced at least 300 Fenwick against, and that and that's the filter e, uh, evolving hockey allows you to use is Fenwick against. So you know unblocked shot attempts against. Wayman's save percentage of 94.48 last year was a number one out of those 934 years. He literally had the best save percentage that anybody has had in 15 years. Second place behind his 94.48 was 94.07. Okay, he not only has 
that height, but he crushed it. But as I said, the sample size is still small. I'm not quite ready to crown him. So if we're in a situation where it's Swayman for a first and Askarov, I think I probably do make that move, especially if I think that first is going to be, uh, you know, reasonably, maybe maybe a middle late type pick. Maybe it's a, a franchise who's in that type of situation. I don't necessarily expect the top pick in the draft or, or something like that. But I think Askarov and Swayman, uh, are, are fairly close to equivalent in my mind for uh, for for what I'm looking for in, uh, in in a trade, especially if I don't need anything this year. For for if I really need something this year, I might need to hold on to Swayman. But if I can afford to wait a little bit, uh, Askarov and the first would probably be more attractive to me. Now Tarasov and Anunin, uh, not so much. I, I don't think that I am willing to take that kind of downgrade in. Tarasov's case, I really like some of the the young Columbus goalies that are still ahead of him. I don't see him as the inevitable final answer for a Columbus goalie, whereas I think Swayman definitely has the inside track, even with Olmark in town now with that longer contract. And Anuna, we talked about last week, I, I'm not that huge of a fan of him. I don't think he's inevitable in Colorado either, uh, although obviously they are the best team for a future uh, type performance expectation of the four that we're talking about here. So, uh, yeah, uh, for Askarov in a first, probably, it, it, depending on the situation, but Tarasov, Noonan, no. Let's move on now to uh, a guy that I think I like better than you, but we'll see what you have to say about him in the need to know prospect section. Yeah, this guy is a the guy they just drafted in the first round, Fabian Liesel. And we, yeah, we talked about him on our draft show. So go back and listen to those if you haven't already. In our in our solo show, Jesse liked him eighth best in this draft, and I liked him eleventh. So we weren't really that far off, but he was technically outside my top ten. If if you want to build up the drama there, um, but yeah, it was it was a steal <laughs> to get him at twenty first overall. The Boston Bruins, I think, got one of the best players in this draft at twenty one, which is fantastic. And not to recap everything we said on that show, but it, a lot of it digs into it. So I would, I would listen to that. But, you know, when we had Will Scouching on, he raved about Liesel. He was one of the guests who liked him much better than everybody else. And he said he has all the talent in the world, even though there's some issues to fix. Um, and really, it's just on him to, to improve those things. He's a really good 200-foot player, has great skills in and out. Um inside and outside of the of the center of the ice and he could he could attack the middle a little more but when he's done it he's done it with success um part of the um i guess the reason why some people didn't like him is because he asked to change teams uh um, from Frolanda to lulea and that was because uh, he wasn't getting shl time and he wanted to play in the shl his ice time went dramatically down though when he went to lulea and that was um difficult for him to put up you know, good counting stats. And so it looks a bit underwhelming, but remember, this is a guy who was fairly young, 17 or yeah, 17 for most of the season playing in one of the best leagues in the world. So just being in the SHL was a good feat. He, um, he'll likely stay in Sweden and develop. Um, hopefully that's a good thing because the Bruins don't necessarily have a great track record of developing prospects. So if he stays over there, he might, it might be, a positive thing for his development in the 26 games he played for Lule, as I mentioned, he only got seven and a half minutes of, of time on ice it was really hard for him to show what he could do. He was getting more than double that um, for the J20 and for Lunda. Um, I like how good he is off the rush. And I'm my main concern with him is that he might not be able to perform as well on the smaller North American ice. He likes to kind of beat players around uh, wide skating wide in those big European size rinks and something that will kind of mention too. Um, but he's a really great skater. And I just noticed that he signed his entry-level contract with the Bruins. And so there's rumors that, you know, he, he seems like a guy who's made it pretty clear that he wants to, you know, play in the, in the highest league as, as quickly as possible. And so the fact that they signed him to his entry-level contract and that, you know, he might play over in North America, um, you know, could, could be an interesting move and he might be ready sooner than, than we think. So 
You know, Jesse, this guy played professional hockey in his draft season in one of the toughest leagues in the world. If he plays in the AHL this season and does well, he could conceivably contribute to this current cup windows for the Bruins. Uh, what do you think his chances of doing that are? Yeah, when you expand it out to the current window of the Bruins and and we we can see that the, the uh, window might go past this year, I could kind of see that. I mean, they, they've lost, uh, you know, they, they've lost players on this team. Their lines after the first line, to me, always need a little bit more of an offensive touch than they have. I, I you know, Hannah went through some of those other alternative guys, and frankly, just none of them stick out to me as being, you know, much for uh, much for huge performances. They're fine. They're guys. But even on the second line of this team, I don't see uh, such talent that it would keep a highly talented prospect like Lizelle from making an impact. Uh, now, his ability to contribute to the window will probably be fairly short because I don't think we're talking about a real long time in that window. But then maybe, shoot, who's who's left on the Bruins? Who's Who are going to be the big guys there? Lizelle is going to have as much opportunity as he can take advantage of on this team. He is not blocked as far as I'm concerned for the long run. He's he's going to be there presumably for the Boston rebuild uh, or at least uh, have have a role in the retooling that's going to come at the end of this. So, yeah, I, I like him. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, come on, Victor. Aren't we, like, contractually obligated to stir up conflict between the two of us on the show? Um, you know, just have some kind of conflict? You know, isn't that what people are supposed to do? Oh, yeah, that's what we get paid the big bucks for, for sure. Yeah, that's not our style. <laughs> that's, that's that's not how we do it here, but uh, that's all right. I think you like it anyway, you guys. Let's move on to the keep your eye on prospect. Third down this list, how far is it a drop to your next guy, Victor? Well, it's a pretty big drop. <laughs> this guy is interesting, though. Mason Loray. I'm not exactly sure how to say his last name. L-O-H-R-E-I. Um, I think that's it, but he's a six foot four defenseman who can skate really well. He has some really slick hands for a big guy too. Um, if you play in bangers leagues, this is a guy you definitely want to know about because he is uh, physical and he's going to Ohio state next season. Um, so we'll see how well his game can translate, but he was a draft pick just in 2020 58th overall by the Boston Bruins. And he played um primarily while well, he was drafted in in 2020 out of the ushl and that's where he did a lot of his work but um he in his draft season he had 37 points in 48 games and he was you know that's pretty good for a defenseman he went back to the ushl this season and he was over a point per game 59 points in 48 games 19 of them goals 40 assists uh, he did pretty well in the couple playoffs games they had too. So, you know, this is a guy I'm really anxious to see how he translates his game to the NCAA because that's a big jump, but he was fantastic for the USHL. I watched some of his games and clips and he was pretty dominant out there. Um, he's not getting a ton of hits right now, but he does play with kind of a physical style, um, maybe a hit every third game or so. Um, not a, uh, but about a penalty minute close to a penalty minute every game. So if you're interested in that kind of thing. So he's a guy who, when you look at his, his uh, hockey prospecting, he looks a fair amount like Jake McCabe, who's, you know, kind of a borderline replacement producer. Um, Slater Cuckoo, Colin Miller, Kevin Connaughton. These are all guys that he looks a fair amount in the model. So I'm not saying this guy is going to be amazing, but he is kind of a somewhat later pick that could develop into someone who gets a lot of ice time and, and racks up some peripherals. That's a possibility. Um, and then, you know, we did mention already uh, Jack Stadnika. Uh, so I just want to mention a couple other guys. And Jack is a guy who I think some people have been excited about just because he's been the lone sort of top prospect in the system for a while. But I really do not have high hopes that he will perform well. Hannah kind of mentioned that he didn't look well in his, in his cameo this season. I think that's pretty understated. He was pretty awful in the time that he played in the NHL, his course C four 
uh, per 60 was two standard deviations below the mean. And pretty much all of his numbers were at least one standard deviation below the mean. What makes that even worse is that his minutes were heavily sheltered. He had almost 60% offensive zone starts and his quality competition against was by far, like dramatically by far the easiest that anyone on the Bruins faced. Um, and he still got caved in. And so that's bad. You're playing against the worst <laughs> that your opponents can, can ice on at one time. You're starting in their zone and you're getting outshot and caved in. That is really not good. Of course, you could say, well, he's still young. Yes, he's 22. Um, not terribly young, but he's still on the younger side. And he only has 22 NHL games to his name. But if I were me, I'm not investing anything on Jack Sidnicka from a fantasy perspective. That's that's just me. Um, the other guy I should mention is Jack Akan, which sounds like a really fantastic name, Jack Akan, when you say it fast. But, uh, you know, he's a guy that I'm not sure is going to translate super well either. I think that he's someone who can possibly have some impact as sort of a, you know, uh, maybe bottom pairing guy. I don't think that he's necessarily going to run a power play, but he's a pretty good skater and he's a guy who looks like he might be, you know, be able to play in the NHL. He, he translated from St. Cloud state to the Providence Bruins and he had 10 points in 19 games. So, you know, he he's, he's interesting, but he's also five foot eight and, you know, they already, I think a lot of people want him to be the next Tory Krug, but Tory Krug's are very few and far between. And he was a pretty special player. I don't think that Jock Akan is going to be that uh, if he makes it and, and has a serviceable role as a sixth or seventh or eighth defenseman in the NHL, I think that would be a good outcome for him. So if he's, uh, you know, he may be, Jack Akon may be worth a flyer in a deeper league if it costs you very little and you have deep rosters. But other than that, I wouldn't really invest much in him. All right. Well, Jack Akon, that is a guy to think about. But yeah, this is, uh, this is, these are the kind of guys who in our league, 18 team, 20 round prospect draft are, are the sorts of folks that we're probably going to be thinking about. But Probably if you have shallow uh, league and shallow prospect rosters, you keep an eye on. You never know. You could have a Boston fan in your league who will uh, will jump if one of these guys has a little pickup in season. You might be able to a little bit of trade value. But otherwise, perhaps uh, it would benefit you to look away. We are done with our Dynasty Dig now. A few guys that we've talked about, but we will be right back after this to close out the show. Chuck, 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 gone. Great talk, great talk with Hannah Garfield. Love having her on to talk those Boston Bruins. Uh, I'm not always a fan of Boston sports, but uh, I enjoy them when I'm talking about them with Hannah. So I uh, I think that is probably going to do it for the content. A couple other reminders before we get out of here today. First of all, this show is brought to you by Fantrax, Fantrax.com. You can play all kinds of fantasy sports down over there, and uh, you should. You should give those, uh, give those a try. And uh, there's nine different fantasy sports. If you're playing your hockey, which you can be doing all year round, you can get yourself set up with hundreds of different hundreds of different uh, scoring settings and so forth. So I, I really would encourage that you give that a try. There's also Fantrax HQ. I think there's going to be an article coming up fairly soon with our fantasy hockey uh, our fantasy hockey ratings for the year. I think Victor and I are going to try to contribute to that, and it's going to be coming out sometime in the next couple of weeks. So I would say that's something to look forward to there, but there's always some content there on hockey and even on other sports. As you get into that, um, there are podcasts over here on Fantrax HQ. There is a new one. It is called Define Fantasy Football. Look at that. There's a new fantasy football podcast on the feed. And there are uh, some great baseball podcasts as well. Fantrax Prospect Toolshed and SP Streamer are a couple of those. If you're still thinking about baseball all the way into near September. Also, we are brought to you by our good friends at the Hockey Writers. Uh, Hockey Writers does uh, such a great job. Uh, they bring us such people as Hannah Garfield and as Victor Nuno. Victor, what do you got going over the Hockey Writers right now? Well, the 
Sharks just held their prospect camp and their prospect camp scrimmage. And I was able to watch that. It was live streamed. And so I wrote some takeaways from that. It's just one game, but it's kind of an important game because these, a lot of these prospects didn't get to play in a scrimmage last year or have a development camp. And so it was really telling where they are playing against, you know, kind of their peers. Um, so check that out. 10 takeaways from the Sharks development camp scrimmage. I also updated the Sharks prospect pyramid, excuse me, recently. And then uh, there was some, I, I looked at the Ducks prospects as well. That was the recent thing that I did. So check all that out over at the Hockey Writers. Thanks. Get on in there. Check out that good written content. Hockey Writers has a lot of real life hockey talk and uh, stuff on every one of the NHL teams. Great, great reading. Uh, so get on that and what else you can get on before you get out of here is following Victor and myself on Twitter at fan hockey life. Come see me at Victor Nuno 12. Come see Victor. We appreciate your follows and, uh, you know, add us with questions, whatever you need to do out there. And also very importantly to us, very, uh, something we very much welcome is a nice rating and review. We've gotten some really nice emails lately from a couple of listeners who've just said really positive things about the show and, and appreciating us. And boy, that, you know, it just warms our heart. That's, that's really an incredibly cool thing. And we know that not every podcast platform allows you a place to rate and review, but if you happen to be on one that does uh, give us the five-star rating, give us a, a nice review so that other people can see that. And, and uh, you know, the, the guy who wrote to us, who was a really, really cool guy and really appreciate what he said. He says, you know, I got to be a little bit careful giving out all this information to all my league mates. Ah, I get it. I get it. You know, you kind of, uh, you know, that that's the ultimate compliment. If you think this thing is too good to be public, you know, for you, then, uh, you know, we must be doing something right. But uh, before my head gets carried away with my ego, uh, I will just say still, we are your humble servant. Uh, we, we, we are your humble podcasters. And all we ask for is a little positive feedback, a little little rating, a little review to get this podcast open to the people in the public. And until next time, while Victor and I continue to go through the 32 teams and continue to do our slow drafts, keep living that fantasy hockey life. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.